Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm your host, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you have a little time to spend with me this afternoon. We're heading towards the end of 2018, and today I'm proud to announce that we're going to go over some year-end tax planning strategies. I also have a seminar date scheduled for January that I'll tell you about in a little bit. It is going to be concentrating since we've had the campfire this last five weeks or so since then. There's so many people with tax questions. I'm helping my clients, of course. If you have losses from a fire that was especially one that was underinsured or uninsured, you definitely need to consult a tax expert to get you some help to see if you can save some tax on any losses you may have. You also have to deal with possible gains if you were well insured and you have insurance proceeds over and above the cost of the property. So there's lots of issues going on with the campfire situation, and I want to make sure that you are well informed. And today we're going to talk about some tax planning for the end of 2018, for the end of 2018. And I will let you know in a little while about the date for January that you can mark your calendar. And we'll go into details on that in a little bit. Before I get into the tax planning segment of the show today, I want to let you know that I've brought a very apropos, interesting article. If you remember, I'm always warning you about things to look out for in the world's economy and uh, things you need to be careful of. I am going to read you part of an article today. It's from my favorite news website. It's financial news and some regular news called zerohedge.com. And this article just came out today. It's called The Everything Bubble Has Burst, The Next Crisis Is Here. And it's by a company called Phoenix Capital. And their thing is this. It says, we have now reached the point at which systemically important debt instruments are collapsing. It is one thing if a relatively small debt bubble, say subprime auto loans, goes bust. It is an entirely different matter if a more senior debt instruments, such as leveraged loans or corporate debt, goes bust. As of last week, they have. The leveraged loan market has officially blown up. The bull market here is over. Things are actually so bad that banks are pulling deals because they are unable to sell loans to investors anymore. The chart that they show in this article, and you can see this article, just go to zerohedge.com and look up the article called The Everything Bubble Has Burst, The Next Crisis Is Here. The chart that they show is a security. It's called an ETF, electronically traded fund called BKLN, and it's an Invesco senior loan ETF that's traded on the New York Stock Exchange. And if you look at the chart of that loan, it's broken a up, it's got a major uptrend pattern on the weekly chart that goes back a couple of years, and it has definitely broken down below the, the pattern on the chart. So I'm just going to read a little more. This collapse is not reserved to just leverage loans. The entire investment-grade corporate bond market has broken its bull market trend line running back to 2010. Then there's another one called LQD, which is another uh, fund that uh, contains corporate bonds, and it is well below its trend line also. If you think stocks are immune to this, you are mistaken. The bull market there is also over. The financial media is polishing the brass on the Titanic. The whole mess is going down. And then it shows a a chart of the S&P 500. So I just wanted to keep you posted on what other people are saying because you're not going to hear this on CBS, CNN, NBC, MSNBC. You won't be hearing it there, but you will hear it on Business Buzz. And that's why I want to keep you informed of the other side of the story. So basically what they're saying is that when the, this bond market bursts, that means that uh, the economy is going to slow down, credit, what they call credit, is going to slow down and what they call seize up. And that's what happened during 07 and 08, the big financial crisis, which I've touched on here before, 
it began with a multi-trillion dollar bailout just to keep the system going. The problem is, is that's been 10 years since that happened, and they didn't fix anything. All they did was put a Band-Aid on it, and for the last 10 years with the zero interest period we've had, it's enabled things to hobble along as if it was okay. It's not okay, and what's going to happen is probably that uh, everything's right now in a bubble. You need to be careful. And here on Business Buzz, I always make a point to keep you as educated as I can by sharing some articles that are not the type you're going to hear on CNN and CNBC and what's the other one? Oh, Bloomberg. I I watch that one too. I have cable and Bloomberg and uh, Fox Business. They keep you posted on some business things. But you really will never hear a lot of alternative ideas, and that's why I try to give that to you here on Business Buzz, just to make sure you don't get caught uh, on the proverbial uh, wrong end of the stick when when things do go down. I mentioned this seminar. Now, the date to circle, I don't have all the details yet. It's still about five weeks away. It's January 23rd, Wednesday. The location is Unwind on Mangrove Avenue. I'm, I set this up originally as a date just to do uh, tax planning, getting ready to have your taxes done during tax season. But since the campfire occurred, there are so many questions going on with people who've lost homes, people who did have a good insurance, people who didn't have proper insurance, losses, gains, replacement property, It's crazy how many questions I've got on my list, and I'm still doing the research just to catch up because there's so many little twists and turns that I've never encountered before with all of these clients with fires. I'm doing my best to get all their answers to them, but I'll tell you, it's just a lot of work. Of course, it happens right around the holiday season when the fire happens in November, and people right now are just realizing, some of them are just now getting to the location to be able to see what they've lost. They weren't able to even look for a month. And now it's all, it's all coming out. I also had a question today from a client who's uh, nice enough to try to help out some friends of his that lost their homes in paradise. He particularly didn't because he doesn't live in paradise. His question is related to another topic, and it relates to the GoFundMe, Kickstarter. Uh, I can't remember the word for that, but it's where you go online and get people to give gifts to help a cause. And he has already raised, I believe he said, $15,000 toward helping some campfire victims. The problem is when you do that type of fundraising, even though it's technically a gift from the people who give it to you, in other words, they aren't deducting it as a donation or anything, if the person giving the money is not able to deduct as a donation, that must mean the other side must have non-income, right? That would be wrong. If you receive money from like GoFundMe and Kickstarter and those other places where people raise funds, that is taxable income unless you yourself are a charity. And it's very difficult to set up a charity within a few weeks. It takes quite a while. You have to get IRS approval. It's a pretty lengthy process. The bottom line is this person is trying to do the right thing and helping people, which is great. He now has a tax situation where this money that he raised is going to be taxable income. We're, him and I are working on strategies to make sure it doesn't bite anybody. But the bottom line is those GoFundMe accounts and those type of accounts, that money is income. So you have to treat it that way when you receive it. You don't want to forget that that's income and and not save part of it aside to to help pay the taxes. Now that the end of the year is approaching, there are certain things you can do by the end of the year to reduce your tax liability for 2018. That's the year that we're still in. That's the year that we'll be filing for during tax season in the early months of 2019. Right now is not too late for 2018 to do some tax planning. So I brought a list here. This is actually uh, the outline is from a it's from a magazine that I subscribe to called Accounting Today, but it gives a good summary of the year end planning that you might want to do. Now I'm not going to read this for verbatim because I don't have the right to do that. 
but I'm just sort of using their bullet points as an outline for myself to talk. And one thing is, if you are not certain whether you're going to owe tax or not, you may have some tax to pay that would be good to pay before the end of the year and possibly good to pay before January 15. If for any reason you think you have some extra income that didn't get any withholding, you may want to look into paying it by January 15th. The reason you might want to pay it by December 31st is this. If you are itemizing deductions and you have not yet paid in $10,000 between your state income tax withholding and your property tax deduction, if you owe state tax for the 2018 year, If you prepay it by the end of 2018, you get to count that as a 2018 deduction and get the benefit of that deduction now on your federal tax return instead of waiting a a whole nother year if you pay that in January or April. There's a lot of little tricks on this. So really in order to, if you have any questions about that, you need to talk to a tax professional to see whether that would help you. A year ago at this time, the big question was, should I prepay my property tax because the limit on the tax section of your deductions for income tax plus property tax went down to $10,000 limit from infinite in 2017. So for 2018, there's a limit. If you've already spent $10,000 between your state income tax withheld and your property tax deduction, then paying early on any state income tax you might owe is not going to be helpful. It's a complicated subject, but it's something that you need to think about before the end of the year. If you have anything that you need, especially for your business, remember business deductions are not the same as itemized deductions. Itemized deductions are the personal side And with the new tax laws, higher standard deduction, there's a lot of people who won't be itemizing. But if you're self-employed in business and you need something like new business equipment, new computer, a new vehicle, if you know you're going to buy it anyway in the next few weeks, if you buy it in December, it's a deduction in 2018's tax instead of in 2019's. The other good trick for that is that even if you don't have the cash, If you have credit available on a business credit card, if you charge to a bank-type credit card before the end of the year, that's the same as paying cash because you're legally obligated to pay back the bank. That is why even if you don't have the cash, you can generate a cash basis tax deduction by charging on a credit card prior to December 31st and placing the item in service by then. That's a general rule for any tax deductions, just to get that tax deduction moved up to the current year instead of waiting a whole year later to put it into 2019. So the basic recommendation on that is if you are going to buy something in January anyway for your business, why not buy it in December and save the tax now instead of a year from now? Another section that's important is retirement plans. The deadline to do a traditional IRA, and this is kind of complicated. You may want to talk to a tax professional before you take any of this advice because this is just for informational purposes. This is not uh, tax advice because you need to do your own due diligence, as I've told you before, and speak to a tax professional for your own particular circumstance. But generally, the deadline to put money in for the 2018 year's deduction of traditional IRA is April 15th of 2019. In that respect, you don't have to worry about retirement money going in until that April deadline. But if you are working for your paycheck and you are voluntarily taking out 401k money, that cannot be done other than through payroll during the year of 2018. If it's not too late and you have extra cash available to make up for the shortfall when they take it out, you could add to your 401k amount between now and the end of the year, and that will reduce your taxable income because it reduces 
the taxable amount of wages you have to report on your tax return. That's always a good thing to try to do before the end of the year. If you have what's called a flexible spending account at work, where you spend money for child care or medical things that get deducted during the year through the payroll like that, that's another thing that has to be done through the payroll and it needs to be done by the end of the year. Some of those plans tell you something like this. Okay, you're allowed up to $5,000 for child care, but if you don't use it all, it goes away and you start another clock running on January 1st. If that's the case, you may want to make sure that you're utilizing your entire flexible spending by the end of the year. You wouldn't want to uh, forget that uh, you missed it and then you didn't use it all in full when you needed some in January anyway. If you have sold stocks or land or anything, if you have a sale during 2018 of a large capital gain or any kind of capital gain, you could reduce the taxes on that by selling something before the end of the year that generates a capital loss because those will net out together. Here's the scenario. We'll pretend that Joe has sold some stock a couple months ago and he generated a capital gain of $10,000 that he's going to have to report on his income tax this year. Joe also has a stock in his portfolio that he doesn't even like anymore because it's a loser. He may want to hold on to it, but he's not that in love with it. He's already lost money and he's generating a $10,000 loss right now on paper. He could sell that stock before the end of the year that $10,000 capital loss would then wipe out his $10,000 uh, gain. I'll be taking a break now. I'll talk to you at the next part of the show. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Here's Rick Box, founder of Unconventional Business Network, with today's Integrity Moment. This week, we're discussing four insights the Apostle Paul shares in Ephesians 4.29 that can help guard our tongues against gossip in the workplace. The first insight is unwholesome words. Some time ago, I had a radio interview with a host unknown to me previously. Afterwards, a friend asked how my interview went. I began criticizing the radio host's style. God's Spirit convicted my heart that I had just undermined this radio host's credibility. My words were unwholesome, and I vowed to guard my tongue in the future. Proverbs 21.23 teaches, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Unwholesome words are any words that might hurt others. We should choose words carefully. Stopping workplace gossip begins with us guarding our tongue from unwholesome words. To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org. Hi, this is James McDonald from Walking the Word. Hey, it's always great to hear that a new station partner has come on board. If you've heard our broadcast, then you know I'm passionate about sharing the truth of God's Word. To get fired up about your relationship with Christ, join me each weekday on Walk in the Word. And be sure to check out all the resources available to help you grow strong in the Lord. Just go to our website, walkintheword.com. Join us for Walk in the Word weeknights at 6 p.m. here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. We're talking about year-end tax planning strategies. I was talking about Joe who may have a $10,000 capital gain, but he also has something sitting there that would be a loss. If he sells that loss, the stock that has a loss since he bought it, if he sells that one before the end of the year, that 10000 loss will cancel out his 10000 capital gain, and that will be a good tax saver. Here's the trick. If he really likes the stock and wants to keep holding on to it, he has to wait 31 days from the date of sale to buy it back. It's If he doesn't wait that long, it's called a wash sale and he doesn't get to use that loss. Let's just pretend he sells it on December 30th 
and generates that loss. As long as he waits until January 31st, which would be 31 or 32 days, then it's not called a wash sale and he could buy that stock back and uh, he would still get to use his $10,000 loss. Again, these things get a little bit complicated. You don't want to do any of these without getting some professional help. There's lots of good tax preparers in Chico. I consider myself one of them. You can always contact me, Harold Littlejohn CPA, 895-3353, for a free initial consultation. Might be over the phone, might be in person, depending on what we need to do. But these questions are complicated, and unless you're knowledgeable, uh, don't go doing anything off of my advice. This is purely for entertainment purposes. I'm not a financial planner, and I don't play one on television. But if you can ask your tax helper and see if they can... uh, guide you through these things I'm trying to tell you. These are the things you need to do for tax planning. Now, the new itemized deduction list that I touched on before, single people is now 12000 per year and married couples are now 24000 per year. A lot of you that used to itemize may not be itemizing anymore. If you're borderline close to itemizing, but you have something unusual such as large medical expenses coming up, what you might want to do, let's say you have a lot of uninsured dental expense coming up that you know you're going to have to spend $10,000 on this year. You might want to try to plan all of your medical expenditures to be in one year instead of spread over two years and maybe hold off till January and then make 2019 the year that you do all of your medical at one time. Because if you spread it out and you only spend 5000 or 6000 each year, It'll disappear into the abyss because they severely limit medical deductions. But if you put all of your medical into one calendar year, if possible, you might get the benefit of that medical deduction in, say, every other year, the year that you double up your medical. So that's another possible tax planning strategy. It gets a little tricky. And again, you need to consult a professional to make sure that this is uh, the right thing for you. I already touched on the $10,000 cap in the section for state income tax plus property tax. If you've already spent that much, there's no need to repay, a prepay, I'm sorry. But just in case you are itemizing and just in case you are sitting there with, say, seven or 8000 in that category, then you may want to prepay your April property tax bill because that would be a legal deduction in December And that would add to that state and local tax section as long as you aren't already over the 10,000. And that's as long as you're itemizing anyway from the other sections, which are mainly the home mortgage interest and the charitable contribution section. Another thing to think about is if you have a large casualty loss from the campfire, uh, that could be resulting in a big casualty deduction because uh, any federal disaster area those losses are still deductible as a casualty loss. That entire section is so complicated that I'm not going to give you that much advice over the radio. It's just too tricky. There's too many questions. There's too many angles. There's too many little twists in the law. I can't give general advice on that, but I recommend that if you have any kind of large loss from the fires this year, make sure you consult a tax professional so you don't miss the chance to get some tax help. If you do miss it, you can go back and fix the old tax return, but after three years, that goes away also, and you can't get a refund once it's been three years past your due date. So 2018 taxes are due in April of 2019. So uh, by April of 2022, you can no longer go back, April 15, you can no longer go back and get a refund from your 2018 tax return, even if you fix it with an amended return. If you're in business and if you can justify the purchase of a large vehicle, there are some there's some good deductions for all vehicles now under the new tax law, but especially a large uh, pickup truck that's over 6,000 pounds uh, called unladen, uh, just the basic uh, weight coming out of the dealership, 6,000 pounds weight, and a bed over six feet long. You can't do this with a short bed, but you can do it with a long bed. 
that business usage percentage of that entire truck uh, could be deductible the year you buy it and place it in service. Put this in perspective. Let's say you have a farmer that's netted $100,000, but he needs a new truck, and he's going to have to spend $60,000 on a nice new truck. If he were to go to the dealership and get that truck purchased and placed in service before the end of this year, and if it's a 100% business use truck on his farm, there's a good chance he could write the entire $60,000 off this year against his 100000 of net income and save tons of tax. Again, this is a tricky question, and it's definitely something that you need to talk about your own particular information with a tax tax professional. Don't rely on my entertainment advice here over the radio. But that's another item that could be done before the end of the year, and it could be a huge tax savings if you're in business using a vehicle. We're coming up on the next break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back with you after this short break. Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX. Two Nicks. That's right, double Nicks. Nick Guy, Private Eye, and Mr. Nick of We Kids. Must be true. Saturday mornings between 9 and 10 here on KK Nicks Nicks. KKXX AM 930. We're also on 104.5 FM. And give it a shot. Put us in your auto dials on your radio. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you have a chance to spend part of your busy afternoon with me. I know if you have to go somewhere, the traffic in Chico is about twice what it used to be, and I know it's because of the campfire, so that's just something we all have to understand, that we have a lot more people living in a similar... The area stayed the same, but there's a lot more people that need to, to be here, so we have to make way for our friends on the road and and be nice and courteous. I was just before the break talking about these year-end tax strategies. There's one other one that this year is a big deal. It won't happen any other year. It is the entire world of divorces and the taxability of spousal support has changed. If your divorce is final after the end of 2018, it's no longer the case that the payer of the spousal support gets to deduct it on the front page of their tax return, saving large amounts of tax, and the payee, the receiver of the spousal support, lists it as income. As of divorce agreements entered into after the end of this year of 2018, in other words, the agreements signed in 2019, that is no longer the case, and the alimony paid, spousal support is the same as alimony, is not deductible by the payer. 
and it's not income to the payee. So that's going to change a lot of things for anybody working on a divorce agreement. Uh, they may want to make sure that that divorce agreement gets officially finalized before the end of 2018 if they need to get that deduction uh, dealt with in that manner. Again, these are complicated subjects. You need to talk to your own tax professional. If you don't have one, you can contact Harold Littlejohn CPA, 895-3353. I'll be happy to give you a free initial consultation and get you started with the questions you might have. I'm not a financial planner. I don't play one on television, and this is purely for entertainment purposes only. But I do want to share with you some of the ideas that I've learned uh, during my work as a CPA, helping a lot of different clients with a lot of different, a lot of different tax situations. So now we're getting close to the Christmas time season, the, the happy holidays. I'm always interested in educating as much as I can. And I can't emphasize enough just how serious this is related to the price of paper gold and what gold is really for. I was listening to a commentary. Of course, I haven't researched myself to back all this up, but here's the theory. When gold went to $850 an ounce or so in 1980, that actually had a major effect on the banking system because everybody and his brother were pulling money out of the bank to buy gold. The way they fixed that was introducing a paper derivative metals market that could artificially bring the price down even though there's no real gold available. This article that I listened to it was a YouTube article by a, uh, a pretty well-respected person. I, I'm not going to mention a bunch of names because I don't have it right in front of me. The bottom line is this. There is no real physical metal available in the world. There's enough like what we call uh, floor, floor sweepings around to keep people like me and you happy when we save up enough to buy an ounce of gold and send it off to a place like Appmex or Provident and we buy our ounce of gold for $1,250, they do have enough to do that. And that keeps you and me happy, and it keeps you and me thinking that there's plenty of gold to go around. I just heard on this report there's another precious metal called palladium, and I believe palladium, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but the price per ounce right now I believe is almost as high as gold. In fact, while I'm talking, I'm going to look this up. The interesting thing, the interesting thing about this article of the uh, this topic of palladium, is that according to this person, the palladium inventory that's available to be quote sold, in other words, the physical palladium in New York, has eighteen thousand ounces of palladium available. Now, I'm just now looking it up. Palladium now is higher than gold. It's 1266 an ounce right now, and gold is 1246 So that's pretty incredible. The other incredible thing, and if you ever want to look at the price of these metals, go to a place called kitco.com, K-I-T-C-O.com, and uh, there's a, a little click at the top called All Metal Quotes, and it brings you right up to the current quotes ticker right as it is right now. So this man was saying that New York has 18,000 ounces of palladium available. I believe he said uh, in China, they, uh, the, the, the other exchange, the foreign exchange, has 600 ounces available. Basically, there is no physical metal available, and these prices have been artificially held down. Now, when it comes to gold and silver... In 1980, when gold hit 800 or more an ounce, everybody and their brother was trying to buy gold. And that has an effect on the banking system. This 
speaker that I was listening to was mentioning the fact that when they had to raise, when the Fed had to raise those interest rates, they went nine points higher than the prime rate. And that's why Treasury bonds started paying 18 or 19 percent in the 1980s. And bank accounts were paying 15, 16, 17 percent. Mortgages were costing 17 or 18 percent. The reason why that happened was that was the only way they could get people to not buy gold and to leave their money in in the banking system. What that enabled them to do was to generate a whole new process of paper metals markets that went into effect in 1987 called the LBMA, the London Bullion Marketing Association. And that's where the derivative paper gold and silver price gets set via people selling the equivalent. Some days the amount, quote, sold, end quote, of gold is equivalent to the entire world's gold production for a year. And they're selling that amount every day on paper to keep the price down. Imagine right now, if, if you saw as a, as a basic person watching the news on NBC, imagine if you saw gold climbing to 1500 an ounce in a couple of days, then up to 2000 an ounce a couple of days later, and then 3000 an ounce, then four, five, six, seven thousand dollars an ounce in a week or two. Do you think you might be somebody who might go down to the bank and take a couple thousand dollars out of your savings and buy as much gold as you could possibly get your hands on? That is what they are worried about. That is what they fear. Their fear is you being knowledgeable. Their fear is you being awake. If that were to happen, most people don't have much in savings. The statistic I read a couple years ago, I haven't kept up with it, but the statistic I read is that the average family has something like four or $5,000 in savings. That means that even at this low gold price right now of $1,250, each family could go buy four ounces of gold instead of having their 5000 in savings. And if gold was climbing like it should and like it will someday, I can't say when, this is not financial advice, it's entertainment. If gold were to climb $1,000 every day when you looked at the news the next day, I believe you would be one of the people taking money out of your savings account to buy gold. That's what they're afraid of, and that's what they're going to make sure doesn't happen until the rug gets pulled out. And if and when the metals markets actually become a free market, which they haven't been for at least 30 or 40 years, probably actually longer than that, because in the old days, you weren't even legally allowed to hold gold, and it was capped at a certain price. I think it was $45 an ounce back in the 70s. That is what they fear. That's why That's why you see that the price of gold is as low as it, it is. There is no real gold available, and Someday there'll be so much demand that there won't even be a price on it because no one will be selling the gold they have. They'll be holding on to it to try to save their financial health. I've told you before that your money insurance is physical gold. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back after this final break. We're going to wrap up this episode of Business Buzz in just a minute, so stay tuned. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickus. What I'm about to tell you is really unbelievable, shocking, and tragic. Here it is. A group of abortion activists are traveling across the country on a book tour. They are promoting their recently published book called Shout Your Abortion. This tour and the book are meant to proclaim abortion as a positive human right every woman can be proud of and promote as a right of equality. Well, we at Pacific Justice Institute pray that the dark veil covering the eyes of abortion activists be pulled away so that the light of Christ will shine before them to stop promoting and celebrating the murder of innocent unborn children. The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. 
God has abundantly blessed America. Our founding fathers knew and understood the laws of nature and of nature's God that prosper a people in harmony with them. Most assuredly, people that seek first God's ways of universal righteousness, spiritual prosperity, create the environment of peace, harmony, and blessing that naturally pave the way to material prosperity. America, bless God. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thank you for spending part of your afternoon with me. If you're in your car listening to the radio, you will probably be in traffic based on what I see all over Chico. And like I say, be nice to your fellow motorists because there's nothing we can do about it. We've got a we've got congestion and we're helping out the fire victims and I know some of them have insurance that has helped them out a lot, but that still doesn't make up for the fact that they are needing to look for a place to live. So just be uh, be extra nice on the highway. That's what I try to do. Speaking of gold that I just touched on, I'm going to read you an article from one of my favorite authors, Egon von Greyers. It's dated December 14th, which is just a few days ago. And it is called The Free Gold Will Kill the Paper Gold Casino. So I'm going to try to explain some of this that I've been talking about. We are now in the very final stages of the most remarkable era of alchemy in the history of finance. This cycle started in 1913 with the creation of the Federal Reserve and had its death knell in 1971 when President Nixon took away the gold backing of the dollar. It has been a long and slow 50-year death of the world economy, and the patient has only been kept alive due to the creation of fake money, fake assets, fake paper gold, fake wealth, fake valuations, fake balance sheets, fake bankers, fake politicians, all built on a colossal mountain of fake debt. I'm going to interject right here. I just talked to a client this morning who knows somebody who's a fairly high-up officer at a fairly local bank. I won't mention any names because I don't know the names and I don't want to know the names. And this person who works at a bank said, didn't you know the banks are broke? I'm buying real estate with my money. So when a banker mentions that banks are broke, they're just backing up what I've been telling my business buzz listeners for a long time. There is nothing there. There's no there there. Uh, it's all it's all paper. There's nothing there. I'm going to continue with Egon von Greyers. What will be the trigger for the coming biggest financial crisis in history? There are so many time bombs around the globe that it really doesn't matter where and how it starts. Because when it starts, there will be a chain reaction that will lead to the most spectacular economic fireworks in history. Fake growth based on fake money. Central banks around the world have already set the coming fall in motion. What has kept the world going for so long in spite of being bankrupt is the massive liquidity that all central banks have added to the system. The world economy can only grow, albeit artificially, by a constant injection of liquidity. Without that, the patient would die quickly. This has created an illusion of growth, but all that has grown is debt. In real terms, the world economy is hardly growing, and how could it, just based on fake money? But central banks are now creating the perfect situation for the coming collapse. They are taking away the punch bowl that has fed all the asset and debt bubbles in recent years. It is not just the U.S. where liquidity growth has reversed abruptly by the quantitative tapering. I'm going to inject right here. Back in 08, they start, well, they started it around 2010. It was called quantitative easing which is a term meant to confuse people so they didn't know what they were talking about. It meant they were going to print money and buy all the debt so that it looked like there were buyers for the debt. But in reality, the debt, all these treasury bonds and uh, European bonds, it's all been purchased by the central banks via money printing. That was called quantitative easing. Now they're reducing their easing and they're calling it quantitative tightening. And that's what he's talking about. But don't let the big words scare you to think that you're not smart enough to understand what they're talking about. They're talking about central banks printing money and buying up all this debt to make it look like people are buying it. 
when no right-minded person would buy the junk. Okay. It is not just the U.S. where liquidity growth has reversed abruptly by the quantitative tapering. Also in the Eurozone, Japan, and China, liquidity growth is slowing down significantly. This is all that is needed to create the perfect setup for the coming collapse. The bubbles will implode if they are not constantly expanding. Money printing will return, but to no avail. Yes, there will be a point when stock and bond markets collapse and central banks will start wild money printing again. But since they are always behind the curve, it will be too late. And what the world economy will experience is a hyperinflationary depression that eventually leads to a deflationary implosion of the system. So what will be the initial specific events that start the coming fall of the world economy? Will it be Japan's economy sinking into the Pacific or the Chinese debt dragon catching fire? Or maybe some little boy who will proclaim that Uncle Sam has no clothes. The Brussels elite, and remember Brussels is the capital of the European Union, the Brussels elite is certainly doing a superb job in destroying Europe both economically and socially. They will clearly cause the fall of the Roman Empire. Not that Italy is much of an empire these days, but just like all empires collapse under its own debt, so will Italy. With Italian debt to GOP the second highest after Greece in the Eurozone of 130%, Italy will have no chance to even service its debt. The Eurozone quantitative easing has grown to Euro 2.5 trillion since 2015, and the European Union has virtually been the lone buyer of Italian debt. Yield on the debt has surged, and many European banks are heavily exposed, especially the French ones. Germany has long been the milk cow of the Eurozone, but even Germany is now coming under pressure. The manufacturing sector has been hit with a weakening of some German export markets like China, Turkey, and Italy. The survey for Europe has just dropped to a four-year low called the Purchasing Managers Index, the PMI. Not the first time Rome will burn. In a bunch of sick economies, it is always difficult to determine who should get the prize for the sickest. Italy certainly has a good chance to win that obscure prize. That they can never repay the debt is a certainty, and this will soon lead, lead to Rome burning and the rest of the EU also catching fire. I'll remind you, this, art, this uh, author is from Switzerland, so he's, he's right in the middle of the European Union. Switzerland doesn't participate, but he's in the middle of everything. The Brexit saga is a symptom of how desperate Brussels is to hold the EU together. The EU elite has pushed Theresa May to accept an exit deal which is totally unacceptable to the British people as well as to the British Parliament. Brussels is extremely frightened that the UK leaving the EU on good terms will not only open the floodgates for other countries to do the same, it will also lead to the failure of the Brussels attempt to create a European superstate led by an unelected and unaccountable elite. So your exit or the breakup of the EU is coming, that is certain. It is not going to happen overnight, but the bursting of market bubbles combined with weakening economies across the board will most likely precipitate the collapse. History tells us that when you reach the end of a global economic cycle, the whole world is super bullish. Virtually no one can or wants to see the coming collapse. We know that from peaks like 1929 or 1973, when all market observers were certain that the golden era they were in will go on forever, quote, because it is different today. I certainly concur that it is different today, but not from a positive point of view. Sadly, the world economy is living a lie and will soon have the most horrendous awakening. The laws of nature always win in the long run. The manipulation of the world economy in the last 100 years is now coming to an end, and nature will open the floodgates to flush out all this falsity, dishonesty, and hypocrisy. This cleansing process will create a lot of suffering for quite a long time, but it is the only way for the world to get back to a sound system with sound real growth that is not based on money printing and debt. Gold-backed economies eventually fail. The, the basis of a sound system is sound money. Throughout history, the monetary system has always functioned better when gold has been backing the currency. So why has every currency system in history then failed, and why have all currencies always gone to their intrinsic value of zero? The explanation is simple. Soundly based economics with budget and trade surpluses carry the seeds of their own destruction. 
Once the economic cycle has peaked, the country continues to spend money it doesn't have and deficits are created. This becomes a vicious circle. More deficit leads to more money printing, which in turn increases the deficits. At that point, the country abandons the gold backing of the currency in order to print more money, and this eventually leads to the collapse of the country's economy. This cycle has happened throughout history, and we are seeing the perfect example of this cycle since 1971. Both U.S. and global credit have grown exponentially since then, and only since the beginning of this century, only since the beginning of this century, which he's talking about 2000, global debt has tripled to a staggering $250 trillion. The U.S. doesn't have the gold, but China does. Oh, there's also another chart in this article. It says currencies used predominantly in commerce since 1450. Uh, in Netherlands, the golden was used for 80 years, 1640 to 1720. In Spain, the real de ocho, I think that was pieces of eight. That was 110 years from 1530 to 1640. And the escudo of Portugal was used for 80 years from 1450 to 1530. Then in 1720, after the Netherlands golden, came 95 years of the French franc, 1720 to 1815. Then the British pound, 1815 to 1920. And then the U.S. currency from 1921 on. You really should look at this article. I'm going to keep reading a little bit. i got a few more minutes left of business buzz, and I want you to be as well-educated as possible. The U.S. doesn't have the gold, but China does. So once the current cycle has run its course and bottomed, are we likely to have a new gold-backed reserve currency? Well, it won't be the dollar, that is certain, because the dollar will disappear into the Atlantic and Pacific as the U.S. economy collapses. Yes, the U.S. will try to resurrect the dollar like a phoenix, but that would soon fail. Also, the U.S. would then need to prove that they have the 8,000 tons of gold that they claim to have, but they are unlikely to have even half of that. The rest has been sold covertly or leased to the market and is now in China or India and will thus never come back. China, on the other hand, has officially 1,800 tons, but the real figure could be substantially higher. Some market observers estimate that China has up to 20,000 tons, but no one really knows what the true figure is. China will only real reveal their gold position when they call the U.S. bluff of 8,000 tons. Personally, I am not in favor of a gold-backed reserve currency because eventually the country will mismanage its economy and live above its means. This will necessitate the abandonment of the gold backing and the start of money printing and currency debasement. Better to let fiat money, which is paper money, be a medium of exchange that finds its own value based on the mismanagement of the economy and also money used for credit. Gold should only be a store of value, as it has been for 5,000 years. This is what makes physical gold the best instrument for wealth preservation based on the principles that our company has created. He runs a company called uh, Gold, Gold Switzerland. There are a few conditions that need to be fulfilled for gold to be an effective store of value. The principle of free gold best defines what this means. The website FOFOA, friend of a friend of another, and its predecessors have been pioneers in defining what free gold is as follows. Free gold, these are the basic principles. All physical gold must be free from official money systems, owned free of all other claims, freely traded. If all the above conditions are met, there would be no gold-backed currencies, no ability to exchange currency for gold at central banks for a fixed amount, and most importantly, there would be no paper gold or other gold derivatives. Gold would neither be lent nor leveraged. The gold price is set in a giant casino. Many of us are familiar with the false gold market today based on paper gold traded in the trillions. According to the World Gold Council, estimated notional gross daily trading at the London LBMA banks is as high as $2 trillion per day. That would mean $43 trillion per month or $500 trillion per year. Total gold ever produced in history is worth around $7 trillion. This means that the monthly gross trading, monthly, is up to six times all the existing gold in the world and annual trading 70 times the total gold stock. If we relate the LBMA gold trading to mine production, the daily gross trading of gold is 16 times annual production. 
No wonder that the paper gold market is a casino that has nothing to do with the real price of gold. It certainly does not fulfill any of the criteria set uh, above for free gold. So thank you for being a a listener on Business Buzz. I've been really glad that you were able to take part of your afternoon to spend with me. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. You can call me anytime, 895-3353. I'll get right back to you. Have a great holiday week. It's coming up soon. I hope you and your family have a great time. And join me next Tuesday for Business Buzz. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. My name is Seth Riojas from Pleasant Valley Baptist Church. An event we have going on here at our property, uh, it's called Fire Christmas. We're trying to help the people displaced by the fires uh, from Paradise. And we're having a Christmas program on Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. at 13539 Garner Lane. And we are trying to get it out there to let everyone know there's going to be clothing, there's going to be toys. Uh, the clothing will be for teenagers, the toys are for kids, a meal will be provided. Uh, there will be Christmas tree and decorations and all these different things. And uh, just trying to help the people of Paradise uh, and the Galia. And now join us for a Sunday sermon rebroadcast from Pleasant Valley Baptist Church featuring Pastor Tim Rule. You can check out Pleasant Valley Baptist at pvbaptist.org or on Facebook search for PVBC Chico. James, please. I'm I'm glad you're here tonight. And um, sometimes when uh, situations occur, and and it's no doubt uh, this fire has... um, uh, greatly affected our community of Chico, um, 16 miles by road, 11 miles by, as the crow flies, they say, and uh, so a neighboring town that lost that much, um, it definitely affects us here, and it affects you every time you go out, the driving affects us, the uh, stores and lines and all of the other stuff, and I'm going to say it again, there's not a greater time than to be a good Christian, not, not a greater time to be a good Christian. Should be an amen there someplace, all right? Just trying to help out. It is Christmas time. He's making a list, all right? So don't be naughty. You need to be on that top side, okay? Even you have to pretend a little bit, all right? So I want you to do that. The word fire right now sets people on edge. And it does. We were driving to work this morning, my wife and I, and somebody was burning the leaves. And she saw the smoke coming up and as you could actually tell, my wife became a little more concerned and didn't know where the fire was really coming from. And, and I think everyone's a little on edge there just a little bit. Tonight I want to talk about the fire that has hurt more people than anybody else. Anybody else. Father in heaven. Well, I've always had a goal every time to help people. I believe this Bible helps people. I believe this Word of God has everything we need to Live a life that's pleasing unto you. As Lord, tonight, I ask that we would be wise in, in this season, be instant in season, out of season. That, Father, we learn something that we could apply to our everyday life as we walk out of here. Help us this night. For Christ's sake, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. They called it the campfire campfire, as we heard and saw on the news on a regular basis, burned 153,336 acres. 153,336 acres. There's 15 other larger fires that have already hit California. It's not the largest fire we've ever had. In fact, in 2018, the ranch fire the ranch fire burnt 410,000 acres. The Mendocino uh, fire uh, burnt 459, three, three times the amount of acres as the campfire did. We know the campfire also uh, burnt down 18,000 plus structures. That's number one in California. In fact, number two would be the, the, the Napa fire. Uh, they called it the Tubbs fire, but the Napa fire. And that fire was uh, 5,300 structures. 
And so if you take the 5,000 of the, the second largest, the next one was 2,000, the next one was 1,900, then 1,700. If you add up the next 10 most devastating fires, they don't add up to the campfire, 18,000-plus structures. It was also the deadliest fire we had. Numbers are still being discussed and so forth. But I'm not talking about the most destructive as far as the campfire, the car fire, the Napa fire, the Tubbs fire. I want you to look at James chapter 1, James chapter 1. I want you to skip over to chapter 3, okay, chapter 3. We're going to learn a little bit tonight, and, and I, I want to be of help um, because of the season which we're in. James chapter 3 and verse number 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So before you want to be the boss man, watch this. Um, no one wants to take your head off if you become the leader. When you become that boss man or that key person or that quarterback of the ball team or whatever it may be, the Bible says in verse number 1, My brethren, be not many masters.